0: It's so weird because in Tripping Daisy, I was thinking about the polyphonic spree. Like later in my life, this would be something I'd do. This is like, and this is an old man's band that I would do. I would like create this sound, and this is what I want to do, and
1: um, that would be what would happen. Tell me from the beginning, what was the idea?
0: You know, Tripping Daisy. We were at the uh, towards there at the end. We were we were an experimental kind of psychedelic rock band, pop band, but um, very much. It, kind of experimental in our sounds and I think a lot of that was birthed out of wanting to hear symphonic instruments and other things so you do you take these other instruments as far as you can and you manipulate and you make them what they are um it started back then that's when like wow I wish we had a flute here you know wish we had strings this part I wish we had this but not having it at our toolkit that's where it kind of started and then I was like man what would it be like if I had 10 people singing that current what if those harmonies are coming through and then you've got all this this texture with instruments that you know can almost tell a story on their own if they're just played by themselves similar to the walt disney storybook records i used to get as a kid another big influence so that's when i'd start thinking about it but then i'm like okay tim you're about to go back into music again what's it going to be and i would hear these songs that i was writing and thinking that maybe it's time to do this that was going to come much later and so i kind of started talking about it. how would it. you write the songs
1: did you play guitar
0: i play guitar and piano and um i'm not very good at either one of them but i they're tools for me i use them to, to song write on and i can nav- navigate pretty well on it but i'm not not a very co- accomplished guitar player or piano player but i would have these songs that you know were finished songs arranged and i could hear what what would be
1: nice to have there and do you remember what any of the first songs you wrote were for polyponics free
0: yeah um well all the songs that you hear on beginning stages were the so maybe i'll give you a guitar and
1: you can play me one if you're up for it do you want to oh remember to play them oh jeez Experiment around. Really? Yeah. Oh say, my gosh. I'm curious to see where. Oh no,
0: no! I just told you I'm not very accomplished.
1: No, no, no! It's not about being good. It's about I want to see the process of getting there. Okay. I just want to see how you found it. Like what? Wow. You know, okay. Process. <laughs>
0: I was just messing with it like this. This is light and day. And see, I'm only using one string. And because I'm not accomplished in the way that I'd make chords, I would do things that were different than other people.
1: You found a simple way to make the sound that you wanted to hear. Exactly.
0: do it i'm playing just playing three strings but for me i could like find something in that and it would promote a melody just like but it's so simple and so i just did these things and that's how light and day was I play real simple, but I can hear things that I I wanna get out of it.
1: so much emotion in it though it's not it doesn't have to be hard to play for it to be good you No, know?
0: I, I know. well I just do what I can I find I've found my world that I play in and it's really only three strings yeah and occasionally a
1: fourth string and and I skip and then you would and then you would um sing along to yeah. it melodically without words first typically no with words like and
0: that's how I write is um I sleep with the guitar by my by my head I don't play it that often but I have a real uh, interesting way of my life is a writer and musician and all that and then my life is a father and and living in the everyday life they're kind of two separate things for me and I the guitar is something I'll pick up like just like you, you handed it to me and I started playing this and it either promotes something, or it doesn't. Sometimes I'll just go, eh, it doesn't really happen, I'll just set it down. It's really just like that. And sometimes I pick it up, and all of a sudden, I'll close my eyes and I'll just start singing, and it just I'm, I see where I'm at, and I sing it, and it's all coming out, and I'm just playing it. And maybe I get to a verse and a chorus, and it just kind of ends. And if I'm recording at the time, then I've got a little snapshot of that and I just stock it away. And that's how it was with um, this particular record with Salvage Enterprise. Um, I would have these little moments where I'd dip my toe in the muse and if it's there, great, and I pull something out of it, I'll go, oh God, that was good. You know, I'll feel it, like really feel it. And I'm like, it's almost, it's like discovering something that you like, you hope that you find that it's place the best feeling
1: isn't it it's the best it's feeling. it's just the best feeling and it's so magical because it comes from the blue you it, know it, it's not there and then it's there and you can't believe it
0: i know it's so amazing it's that's what i love it that's about the ba- best part about life is that you get to discover have those moments are so special when they happen and um i had some of those things happen and i would just put them aside, didn't really feel like going back and working on them, so I just knew they were there. And um, and then there was a time, a long period of time where I'd pick it up and nothing would happen. Life had kind of, the chaos had taken over. My life was, you know, I was in a depression and it was tough, you know. Um, everything just kind of turned off for a long
1: time. You yeah. think it has to do with outside forces that impact whether or not you can get there or not?
0: Yeah, I do. I think it has a lot to do with all that, you know, I, everything that's around you, uh, everything that you take in, you it's a tricky tightrope when you get into that space of falling, you know, down into that world. And, um, and even when you know, like I know, cause I know in my heart that you can always make it out of that. I know that, but even when you're in it, sometimes it's, it's hard to, to find it. And, um, I was in that space for quite some time, and it affected everyone around me, and it was, it was rough. Um, COVID happened, and I'm, okay, here we are. Now it's, it's really strange, and after living in this space and not being able to write songs, and I'm thinking, is it over. I think, I guess I'm done, man. That That's, my well is finished. I don't have any, Anything else to give? Even the ones that I'd liked and I listened to, they were really great. I loved them, but it just nothing was happening. For, it was like a big void. It's a horrible place to be. And um, I uh, I decided to I have we have a rehearsal space, um, triplex, and decided to go there and um, by myself and just kind of learn how to record. So I I bought a, uh, a Logic. I've never been an engineer, I'm not very good with uh, the technical side of stuff. I've always had people around me that can help me get there. And um, I decided, fuck this, I'm gonna learn how to do logic and record. So in the process of learning it, uh, which was really hard for me because I don't have a brain for that kind of stuff. <coughs> um, ADHD is kind of all over the place. And But I was able to do that. But in the process of learning how to record, um, I had to record something. So I'm by myself and I'm picking up the guitar and lo and behold, something starts happening where I'm like, oh my God. And, and I'm also recording and it's, I'm getting this good recording and I'm like, shit, man, here we go. And I'm and I'm in it. And I wrote four songs like rather quickly, like in five, six days. And I hadn't experienced anything like that in some years, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, so it was like, and not, and I'm listening to these things and it's it's a world of places I've never been before musically for me, M- melodically, you know, it's like mo- melody is such a, I love melody, but in, you, you you tend to have your melody that you, your tool belt gravity melody that you kind of got in your head. And you kind of, I can, you know, where you, you know it's like a weird thing that you've got. It's almost like you're, your sound or whatever. This was me singing stuff that I'd never, touching melodies in ways that I'd never done before. And lyrically, it was uh, where I was at and I'm, and I'm trying to come out of where I'm at with my stories and things that I'm just improvising. I'm actually coming through the process of where I'm at and growing out of it, while I'm making this record by myself, I'm doing this stuff, and it was like holy shit! I'm I you know I wrote four galloping seas, which is the first song on, uh, on the record, and it, 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 just started to unfold, and I'm like, and then give me everything was a song that, just kind of came out, and these words was it was I'm experiencing where I'm at. And then I'm experiencing working my way through this, through lyrics, you know, through the the vision of the song. And it just happened. And it was like, then I was like getting my strength back again. It's like, I'm like, oh my God, okay, here we go. And then I'm like, I'm going back to these songs that I had socked away and the coming finding out that they're in the same world as this. And then it was like, oh my God, you know, it was... It was pretty amazing with Julie started skimming through these songs and listening to them and she's like, "This is great. This one's good and this and we're listening like this is great, so I'd go back and craft the lyrics more to where I could finish the songs and it came out and and as a body of work, it was like, "Holy shit. Um it was something that like I said, it started in the process of where I how, how low I was in trying to get someplace that I knew was there. And then hearing the process of that happening, for me was overwhelming, you know, and being at my age and like, holy fuck, man. Sounds like,
1: really healing, oh, sounds like the music he- healed you.
0: It did, it did exactly that. And that's what is so amazing about about that process of in music and that in general of what we're capable of, which I've always known this stuff, I've known this but when you experience that and to be able to have it recorded and be able to to make that record that's this is such a special special man it's i can't say enough about it i know people say that about their stuff can we
1: listen can we listen to the first song together sure great love that. do you have it uh do you want to play it off your phone sure
2: Make the news exist Find the wind Stretch the linens quick
1: come about just in those first days. So there's kids at the beginning at the outro chorus,
0: and then they slowly get older towards the end and then you hear everybody. That's the idea. It's We all go through it. It's the kids are hearing it first and saying to themselves, hold yourself above the storm, keep the faith. And it's like, and then they, the next chorus gets a little bit older and then older. Then we have older people and then it's everybody.
1: Mm. It's just, I love it. <laughs> There's a way that you use repetition in songs that really speaks to me. I think back to the, um, the Together Wear heavy album, which I listened to a million times. Wow. Yeah, a million times. I love that album. Wow. And there are some songs that you know could be a long, six, seven, eight minute song that might have four lines. Yeah. Repeated over and over. It's almost like through the repetition, it builds and changes and the the story unfolds, even though the words aren't changing. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Wow. I've never really thought about it, you know, but a
0: lot of the words and the lyrics are born out of improvisation. And I feel like the natural cadence that comes out of something so improvised tends to be more fluid-like and more uh, part of the, the music that it it, it, um, it wants to be it repeated and it works as opposed to having this and I need to write this recurring theme and try to make this lyric work I don't know I'm just kind of like thinking outside like what makes that happen and
1: the majority of the writing happens on a subconscious level oh without a doubt yeah all of it
0: all of it pretty much i mean yeah it's all kind of and then you know the basic core of the lyrical idea is there and of course i'll go back and i'll flesh it out but the actual melody of verse chorus or the the core of it is completely um, improvised the music the melody and it all happens at the same time that's what i was saying it's either I stick my toe in it's going to be there or it's not going to be there i don't wear my band hat and my music on me at all times i don't live with holding a guitar and playing it i'm not that guy i have this ability to dip in and if it's there i have the ability to to let it channel and i kind of just go with it did you have the name polyphonic spree from the beginning that's an interesting It's a funny story so no i needed a name i put this band together with my wife and Chris and friends and family in three weeks. The, forced, original the original polyphonic spree. The original polyphonic spree. They've basically forced me to, and that tends to be a lot of a reoccurring theme. I'm going to <laughs> gonna be pushed out there to make it happen. And they said, you've got three weeks to get this together. I've booked you an opening act with granddaddy at the gypsy tea room. And um, so I'm like, and bright eyes. And... I had three weeks, so just started going to family members and and friends that, you know, I knew that they played symphonic, you know, played strings. Do you know anybody that does this? I'm looking for this, and you have to be able to improvise. So you had already made the first album at that point? Yeah, I made the first album and probably completed the first album a couple weeks prior to this. I had enough songs to do a show, which was about nine songs. What you hear on beginning stages was our first set and that record was a demo, it wasn't meant to be, spent five grand on that at Dallas Sound Lab that I had some money, you know, left over and we borrowed from a friend and we went in and made this record and it was meant to be a demo to try to get a deal and try to find- To make a real record. To make a real record. Right. And, you know, it turned out that I needed the record to get gigs and do this and that to explain to people because they were like, what, you've got 20-something people? That's fucking nightmare. What are you talking about?
1: How many people are on stage for the first show? Uh, 28. So tell me about that. <laughs> you know, <tell> me, <laughs> who, were the, who were the 28 people? So they were
0: friends and family. My niece was 14, uh, Andrew was 16, uh, who played was the French. Was it
1: anyone young... who you knew who could play anything?
0: Um, I didn't know any of the symphonic players. I knew the rock people. Uh, my bass player, Mark was is, is in the spree and Brian Wakeland was playing the drums um, from Tripping Daisy. And then going out to find the symphonic people was the biggest challenge because I didn't know anybody. I wasn't in that world, it was from the rock world. And I would go, this dude that was playing at the mall, he was playing cello, I was like, D- would you like to, you know, I, I didn't know, you yeah. know, I lived, you know, 40 minutes from UNT, North Texas, which, is a huge music school but i didn't think anything about it it's got you know amazing musicians which a lot of them inadvertently became spree members but i was just going to anybody to, to get do you do you play and that's when i also realized was that just because they play those instruments um, doesn't mean that everybody improvises i thought everybody that played an instrument can improvise and that's not a very common thing especially people that are classically trained they read music and they played the up charts and things like that. And when you, when I would find people like, do you improvise? And they're like, well, I don't know if I can do it. What do you mean? And I'm like, well, um, I'm just gonna play something and then I just want you to play along with me. Just follow what the melody, feels good, whatever yeah. feels good, just play. And I found a couple people that had never done that before. And they like had like this thing like, Oh my God, I didn't know I could do that. Just real real proper. You know, it's like they they just stumbled on something and um I was like, that's it, that's all it is, and that's that's great. You'll work. This will this is fine. I'm like, oh good, okay, cool. And so that's basically how the band was built. There was twelve people in the choir
1: and it was just How'd you get the choir members? It was
0: all people, friends and family. Do you sing? Can you hold a note? I didn't really care. It's like it just wasn't looking for you professional. You were looking
1: for the energy of a bunch of people singing together. Yeah, exactly. And just
0: kind of like doing my best. Also, we're talking like three weeks to form the polyphonic spree, which is a task, you know, but it was done. And, you know, it was that first group was so it was so special. It's something else I learned about the community of that many people playing music on stage and live performance. There's a whole nother aspect that I never thought about. And originally I wasn't even gonna be in the band. It was my idea was to put it together. I was gonna be in the audience, watch it, you know, maybe somewhat conduct hand signals here and there, but I just wanted to hear the sound. I was wanted to experience this thing I've been thinking about. But in order to express the songs, the dynamics of the songs, the emotion of the song, I found that I had to be ultimately had to be a part of it. So I was playing guitar um, in the beginning of Polyphonic Spree. And eventually I handed that over to someone else because my old self kicked in. And it's like, I need to be expressive. I need to like con- en- engage with these people. This guitar is holding me back. You know, it's like I said, it's just a tool to ride. I don't use it to perform and play and all that. And so uh, that's where it happened. But that feeling that you get with that community of different human beings playing music, some that have only been air tromboning in their bedroom or air violining in their room and you know are now in a rock band on stage playing for the first time and it was there was nothing like it that feeling that i wasn't even thinking about you know i'm thinking about the music well what about this whole other spiritual side that happens when human beings get together and all land on the, the same page and they're all like we're all in the current together playing this music and then they're dealing with their own feedback that they're getting from it and then that gets like kind of addictive and you want to be kinetic and all of a sudden you're just this force and it wasn't even it's was just like holy that's where it came about it was like my god what we're there's something else going on here it's much more than the music there's a something that's being conveyed and people picked up on it
1: but um yeah what did it feel like the first show tell me about well that first it was show.
0: you know it was Partly I was, it was nerve wracking, you know, because it was like I'm playing the songs live and it's the first time. And, you know, it is so different what we were doing. We're wearing white robes and- Tell me about the robes. Well, there again, it was, you know, my idea was to, um, I, I knew I wanted to clothe the band because I thought the street clothes of 20 something people would be way too distracting. And people are so like quick to judge and sum people up by what they're wearing and see this and that. And it's just i i wanted to spell that neutralize everybody totally and i thought if we could cover the band and i thought the robes would be the cover from head to toe it's something inexpensive and we can achieve that you know Put some it's color. something choirs
1: do yeah. it's like it's a exactly you tried know? and true method
0: yeah, it was an image I saw too. It's like, I just see this beautiful image. But at the same time, it's like, we're, so we're white and I can project images on it. So the first show, we were projecting images on the band. It was more of my my love of film and art and texture being shot on us. And ultimately, that kind of faded away because the band became the visual and became all you needed, you know. and But that's, that's where it happened.
1: Um, and how did the audience respond?
0: They they freaked out. I think they were kind of like, I think they were like, what the fuck is this? I know they were. And then it's kind of something that, you know, at the end, they they liked it. It was really well received. And um, it was special because it's like, I didn't let anybody know in the industry or anywhere that I had previous band Tripping Daisies. Purposefully, I kind of alienated everybody, my fan base and everything from Tripping Daisy. No one knew I was doing this. I didn't mention that band to anybody when I was trying to get gigs. That was another reason why um, I was using the music and the, the merit of that, trying to get me in there. I didn't want to use previous. I wanted this thing to be on its own. Wasn't very smart because I alienated a whole fan base of Tripping Daisy. A lot of them don't like the spree, and a lot of them came along and did, and a lot of them discovered it later. And But it's I kind of just... It was my way of, I wanted this to have its Just own. Just a fresh start. Fresh start. Yeah. I wanted it to have its own thing, its own identity. And so I think a lot of people were confused because had known me from Tripping Daisy and then all of a sudden they're seeing me do this thing and this weird cultish band with robes on. And, and um, But it, to me, it felt so new and special. It was coming out of a post-grunge world, nothing like that was going on and it just, to me, I thought this is such a beautiful image and the music's beautiful and I'm so glad I'm in this band. <laughs> and it just, I just kind of worked it's it a out. It's very
1: emotional, it makes me wanna cry. It's, it's a very emotional story.
0: Yeah, Spree's a very special band, you know, it really is. It's, I'm so fortunate to have the people that I've had around me that decided to jump in and be a part of this thing. And- um, What happened next? Uh, well, we played shows in Austin and did what we could, you know, and um, we played South by We didn't make South by Southwest the first time. Um, the second time we got one show and they had us opening the keynote speech in the banquet room um, at eight o'clock in the morning. Okay. It's Robbie Robertson's keynote speech. So... We got, we're like, fuck it, we'll take whatever we can get. It's the only show we had. So we uh, get there. It's super early. Um, We're literally in a banquet room with fluorescent lights, this big. It's the worst possible place you could possibly be in to play music. It just screams, it's sterile and not cool, and it's not good but we're like, man, i am just talk to everybody. This is our thing. We can just turn this into our, let's just rock these people and take them, take them with us and give them a little ride. So a guy went fired up we go out there and we just do this thing. And it was kind of like that same deal where we finished and there was silence and then the place erupted and everybody was standing up and just going nuts. And this guy runs up to me and he goes, I'm John Perales with the uh, New York Times. You realize what you just did? And I said, <laughs> what? And he goes, you've got every journalist in the country in here on their feet. because goes, that, that's David Fritt over there. And I'm like, he's pointing out all these different people out. He goes, look at this. And I'm like, I had no idea. Yeah. I thought they were just like industry people, yeah. but it turned out to be a whole room of every journalist because they were there for Robbie Robertson's keynote speech. So they just immediately blitzed it out to everybody. And then we started getting gigs. We played nine shows at that South by Southwest. Wow. Just word got out. And so we were playing in people's yards. We were playing in restaurants. We were playing in record stores at Waterloo. They just, everyone kind of wanted to have us. And so it just kind of happened. And at that time, that was in 2002. There weren't, bands weren't playing multiple like they do now, they do it, everyone does it now. But back then you were hopefully you had one that we played eight to nine of them. And it was just, and the Polyphonic Spree going through Austin, South by Southwest with all those instruments and all of us getting, navigating, you know what that place is like. We made a huge splash at that South by Southwest. It was, it was amazing. So the, back to that gig, you know, what seemed like to be the worst situation for something to happen and grow, turned out to be the best thing that could have ever happened for us. Yeah. Because in every newspaper the next day, they were talking about the polyphonic spree right there with Robbie Robertson all over the country. It was just like unbelievable. You couldn't believe it. And then from after that, like two weeks later, you get a phone call um, from someone in David Bowie's camp who David Bowie wanted us to come to the UK to play his royal, Festival, hall, uh, uh, festival he was curating and that we are like, wow, okay. Um, they paid for us to come over there to play this show. So a lot of people in this band had never even been outside of Texas before, much less go to the UK. Some people had never even flown before. And then we're going, the polyphonic series going to the UK. <laughs>
1: at the at the request of david bowie at the
0: at the request of david bowie yeah
1: and then you end up doing a whole tour with david bowie
0: yeah that happened later you know it was we we ended up playing two festivals he curated and uh, with the highline festival in new york that was much later but after that then he was doing his reality tour his last tour and he had us on that tour. And then I I was doing a duet with him on a (laughs) nightly basis. (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy, man. It's so surreal. It is. And it's just, you know, all those things, this band has always had that kind of, like the banquet hall deal and playing the Royal Festival Hall, you know, we're in the middle of this show. It's the biggest show I'm thinking of our life and the power goes out in the middle of the set. And we're like standing standing on stage there's this lone light just focused on me because all the lights in the stage went off the power's off and we're like you know what do we do the choir everyone's so nervous nervous energy you had a full festival hall and everyone's just kind of like you know just who is this band you know da da da. da really kind of summon you know summon this summing us up like what do you got it was deathly quiet they didn't there was nothing we i felt like we hadn't really Connected with the audience and the power went out. And ah, I'm, after a few moments of kind of nervous energy, I just turned it in and I said, I'm just going to sing a cappella, hold, uh, or oh, diamonds uh, off of uh, Together We're Heavy.
2: Don't fall in love
0: with Don, or something. Yeah. And um, I uh, I just start singing it. And then I asked the other guys that are playing, you know, violin and handheld instruments to just join in, and then the choir just to sing. It was more like a campfire, Dylan, hoping they could hear us, you know. And I start singing it, and I'm feeling so alone. But I just closed my eyes and just just owned those words and sang it loud, and got just was feeling them. And people started to trickle in, and they kind of got their confidence up, and we were doing it. And it's really quiet, you can't hear anything in there. You'd hear someone kind of cough or sneeze or something. And you just hear these human voices and this human expression going on. And I kid you not, man, on the chorus, on the right where the chorus kicks in, the power comes on and everyone's already playing and it just hits and it just like, boom. And it, were, it couldn't have come in at the perfect time And it just hits this most emotional part of the song and it just, boom, and that place goes crazy. They stand up, start cheering, and it's just like we had them and just rode the rest of the song out, went to the next one, and and it was amazing. And that's all anybody talked about after that show was they thought we did that shit on purpose. And it was like, no, man, that was a complete accident. I almost shit myself up there. And they're like, that was da-da-da-da. But it was like those kinds of things happen, you know, the banquet room all these big moments of things that just seem so like the worst thing could possibly happen turns out to be the best possible fertilizing of where i need to be going next where this is going to happen and it pretty much dictate we had every label in in that country wanting to sign the band and that's pretty much what happened and
1: let's listen to diamonds oh
0: cool it's based on
1: the story do you want to play it ah sure
2: or tragedy will somehow find its way in all that you hold true Keep them amazed with your mild devotion to majesty and some ill
1: that music <laughs> it really it really gets to me yeah
0: some in that in that part that dun dun see
1: but the the, whole that's where it happens there's so much emotion in it and it transcends the words It trans, there's some energy current in it that is so overwhelmingly powerful to me that's
0: awesome i'm so I'm so glad you receive it, man.
1: You see? I know.
0: It's fucking I'm soaking wet. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I feel it. It's like it's a, you're right. It's a current that you get in, man. I feel that thing. And, you know, that's, you're wanting to convey that in a live sense when you get with these people. And you like, I want you to feel that, you know. And I just feel like I kind of,
1: you know. I feel like you're channeling it, and we get to experience it through your channeling of it.
0: Yeah, I don't, man. It's so awesome that it it happens like that. That I'm, you know, that I was able to. I don't know, man. Be a part of that. It's it's cool, truly cool to tap into something like that.
1: Tell me about making that album, because that really was the breakthrough well
0: was it you know it's like i couldn't you know we had beginning stages and that's pretty much the one that kind of put us on the map with everybody and got everyone excited how did that one come out uh beginning stages yeah well we just put it out on our on our own Mm -hmm. um it just it it was that demo yeah and it you know ended up becoming that but Over there, uh, Warner Brothers 679 picked us up, signed Mm -hmm. us on that record Mm -hmm. and they released it. Mm -hmm. It, The one that was meant to be a demo was the first record of the band. Mm -hmm. And um, so they did it. We came out with uh, Together We're Heavy and they didn't like it. Really? Yeah, they didn't like the record. They didn't, the label. The label, yeah, the label didn't like it. So then I'm like without a, a home and then since Warner Brothers didn't want it, there was kind of a stigma that it wasn't a good record. And so no one wanted to put the record out. And so we found some uh, guy that was willing to put some money into it and act like a, you know, he had an imprint, wasn't a label label. And so we put it out over there, came back over here and we just, we hadn't really played the States. We were all, the band broke over there first. So anything you heard was, coming from over there, over here.
1: Before you went to the UK the first time, had you played other places in the country or just no. basically Austin We'd and Dallas? never,
0: we didn't play anywhere in the States prior to going to the UK. Um, that happened over there and we pretty much, they were ready like, we want you to start touring and, go so we yeah. spent
1: three years it's also easier to tour there oh because yeah you don't have to fly exactly it's, everything is just a couple of hours away you know? yeah
0: it's expensive still because at the time you know the pound was shoot 170 dollar 70 mm. but it, it was, as far as traveling it was pretty easy to navigate but we just we lived at the columbia hotel over there and my kids were with me because julie was in the band and my kids were on the road and we stayed over there we Did
1: you say it was a family band it sounds like a family band family and friends yeah it was very much like,
0: like a, a family band at first especially at the beginning because my my niece was in the band she was 14 at the time and my other nieces they were part of it and kids grew up on the road with us you know I had Stella Oscar and Julius Felix wasn't born yet but so Stella would be singing in the choir Uh, with her little robe on and her, you know, protecting her ears, little ear muff things. And she'd be with the choir up there doing her thing. And then Oscar would be kind of running around using sticks to play on something. Or I'd look over and he's sleeping in a harp road case down there in the middle of a rock show. They would just kind of go until they just would collapse. And Julius, who would haul a guitar around wherever he was going, would be playing a guitar while the show's going on. So. It started with friends and family at the beginning. It was kind of like whoever you could get, you know, in the choir, it was like, can you sing? And can, can you, uh, we're singing in unison at this point. And if you've got the spirit for it, you could be a part of it. So, you know, at the beginning, you're just kind of starting to grab whoever you can get. And my and my kids were, you know, I have four kids. And so it's like, they were they were the first to be a part of it. So cool.
1: Yeah so you make that album
0: yeah make that album and then we come back over here and songs came the same way like totally unconscious off. totally that's just how i write i'm not very good at all about oh that's a good chord progression i'm gonna write a song or i've got these lyrics i want to talk about i'm gonna write to that i can't do that it's got to be completely improvised and i've been doing it for so long now that it's just my
1: go-to. In the studio or do you improvise to get the song and then you bring that into the studio?
0: So most of the time I would I improvise to get the song. I'll craft it when it's time to go and, and think I'm going to go make a record. I'll do a pre-production where I'll go and, and uh, record and kind of uh, work on arrangements and get that. But I've got the core, the essence of the song there and then we start kind of working on it. We'll do really, it's almost like that demo, I kind of do those kind of demos, you know, sometimes, you know, I sent you some stuff a long time ago you didn't really like it. And I was searching, I was not even doing what I was supposed to be doing. And it was in between, uh, um, it was right after uh, Together we Heavy, it was on the heels of that. And we were kind of like pushing me to make another record and, you know, and forcing that. Kind of thing and i'm like i just would get in there and start jam with everybody and improvise and jam a lot of fun and some good stuff you would stumble onto but nothing of like this is gonna oh this is a good idea so this will turn into something and um but when i went to do uh uh together were heavy it was the same thing i had been there was no pressure between beginning stages and that one i'd been living with beginning stages so we'd kind of write live i'd write you know, in a sound check and I would do this and it would either be there or it wouldn't be there or I'd kind of be off on my own. And then i come up and I've got this thing. We'd work on it through sound check and we kind of came up with the record.
1: When you would work on it, would you work on it with 28 people, or would you work on it with a smaller group?
0: So sometimes if we had the, the time to be able to like, I'm just gonna mess around here and let's just see what happens. Sometimes that would happen, but most of all, it was just, me kind of off on my own by myself, mm-hmm. and then coming in and saying, "I've got this idea, I'm going to play, and let's see how we can build on it." I encouraged everybody um, in the beginning, um, back in those days, to kind of. It was almost like a kitchen sink, you know. I listened to that song, um, "Diamonds." Um, I hear, you know, if me. I'm trying to get everybody in there, and it's like, you know, out of me feeling like I need them to be able to. I don't wanna leave them out. I want them to be able to have, be on the part and like come up with something and going down, there, looking at the list to record. Oh, we don't have this on there yet. We need to just kitchen sink. And I really wasn't, it was all about trying to make people feel inclusive and be a part of it, democratic. And, um, and it's always kind of been like that. And then I, I would have some regrets sometimes when I'd go back that I wish that hadn't have been, I wish I had created a little bit more space and not um, just done that to kind of placate a situation. Um, not that they're, those songs are great and everything's fine about them. I just hear personal stuff that mm-hmm. I would have made different choices. But um, and that's what's so different about this record in the, the previous stuff is that made a conscious. There was an overwhelming feeling that this record needed to be very specific uh, musically, um, and so it it became completely different. Like you'll hear songs on there. It's just like good acoustic and maybe a flute. That's it. And a maybe an upright bass but that's it and just rather than old time well everybody's not on there you can find your space even if it's like here like that and um but there's very different uh, experience do you have a favorite song on the new album um you know I, I don't know if i told you this but i did these when i finished the album i wanted people to hear it as a uh, as a whole yeah so i did these listening experiences where i got rented a Sprinter van and uh, rented a sound system uh, like 12 QSC speakers on tripods and I traveled around doing pop-up listening experiences where I had moving blankets and I came out to the West Coast for a month and and just traveled around and and I found a spot I could possibly do it that I didn't think I'd get busted and then I tweet I'm gonna be here at this time if anybody sees this or wants to be a part of it coming out it's free and it was my way of wanting people to hear this record as a whole um very uh, real self-indulgent there but i thought if i've got a captive audience i can uh you know make that happen by i'll just kind of force them to do this you know i'll like set the sound system up under the stars how were those experiences they were incredible people loved it um everyone was every experience was different you know such a cool idea. Some people would you know, get up and start doing yoga while they're listening to it. Some people would just, you know, have these emotional experiences of, you know, you have to, this was, people are coming out of COVID, being outside, being away from that, being away from your phone for 45 minutes, forcing yourself to just look at the stars and take a break from life, um, mixed with that music accompanying you through this process. Yeah, it's it would have some overwhelming aspects on people. People loved it, you know. Like, oh my god, you don't know how bad I needed that. And it's like not just the music, put the music to the side. Just just taking a break from life and laying down on the ground and just looking at the sky for 45 minutes and not having to think about anything, that in itself when you're when you just choose to do that is an experience that, you know, everybody should what it's going to have an effect on you you know and i think that is just as much of what was a success as much as it was the music navigating that process but it was awesome i loved it i'm going to continue to do them um i'm actually taking a step further we're making a film uh for planetariums where i've been working on this for about six months now but it's going to probably come out in february um with my my friend scott berman who did visuals for us before we're making uh, a different animators and live action um creating film to the record people come to planetarium look at the uh, visual while they're listening to the record so it's kind of like it started you know doing the listening experiences and now it's moved to that and um we've lined up you know like 12 different planetariums that will move regionally kind of all over the country that'll play um, the record and that's kind of another way of You know my way of playing the record and people hear it as a whole as opposed to diving into the jukebox yeah. on there Let's listen to the next song. Okay um, So we listened to the first song on the record. Let's listen to the the last part
1: Okay, Is that cool. We can we can also listen if you want we could listen to the whole thing.
0: Um, I don't want to do that to you but um, I'll just I'll play another one, and then we'll play the okay. the last part. I just kind of want to give a a um, general idea. Yeah. So this is um, we'll do uh, shadows on the hillside.
1: Why does it start with section forty four?
0: Um, those are I okay. When I first referred to the songs, I was saying we're going to go from this. This is the very beginning of polyphonic spree. They weren't song titles; they were sections because. It's like, we're gonna go from section one, this section into this section. And I was always referring to them as sections. They weren't even numbered. It was just, I was just, you know, that's how I described it. So we're gonna go this one section here and this section, it never was song titles. So then I was like, then I put, they were had Can an you or- think
1: of the album as one thing? And then, so the reason you break them into sections is that they're pieces of a whole?
0: inadvertently yeah i didn't realize that i was doing that but i and i thought at the time it's like you know what this is the first section of the birth of the polyphonic spree so that's the 44th section of the polyphonic spree it's a 44th song per se of the record so the sections in every title on every record i've ever put out I so see. that's what it is now but at the beginning it all came from referring to them as sections Um, but yeah
2: all those demons, vitamins, carry me, please, please, please. While my heart silently screams, fade all those past lives, think yourself a renegade, just leave. Thoughts only flow when the windows are wide Save all the sadness, take yourself Lightly release You gave up the last time Try your best to pry away Just be Cause thoughts only flow when the windows wide Reach out and fall far away Finally, wish you can fly and dream, dream. Shadows on the hillside. What you found were the wings to go. You just set yourself.
1: It's so cinematic and it takes you to another place. And it's something to do with the sound of the words and the sound of your voice and the choices that you're making. Um, The structure is never, the thing that happens next is never what you expect. Interesting. You know, it's always taking you somewhere new. And there's this sense of discovery that keeps happening and I guess it's what's happening in you when you're experiencing it totally and we get to have that same experience it never gets formalized into a regular song right yeah you know it's like we get to experience your mystical experience yeah it's awesome it's awesome thank you so much it's just so powerful
0: thank you and there's
1: nothing like it thank you I
0: love it thank you
1: I'm so happy you're doing it.
0: Yeah, me too. (laughs) I'm glad it happened, you know? Yeah. At a time when you didn't think you had it anymore, it was really scary, you know?
1: I remember you made an album where you guys looked different, looked kind of more militaristic on the cover. And I remember it felt like the energy was different. It didn't feel like you were connected to the spirit.
0: That's a fragile army. It was kind of birthed out of, political climate we're in with George Bush the war and all that kind of stuff it was kind of had that sense to it sense of urgency and angst to it in a bit but at the same time there's yeah that record there's a lot of great songs are kind of all over the place you know but they're they're completely different experiences Uh some good songs on there but it's just different and you're right it's not of that world it's yeah, this is something different. This is a lot like beginning stages of, I think, it's, as far as the the feeling for me. Um,
1: does it feel like a new start for you?
0: It does. You know, like I was telling you, I've kind of discovered some melody and parts of things I've never experienced before of feelings and um, that feeling that you get with melody and, and song when it's coming through and all that it felt new to me and that was what kind of gave me like the energy to like oh god this is great and now i had something to reach for and grab onto and yeah and that's really uh so fortunate
1: when you said earlier um when you imagined the band before it existed mm-hmm. you imagined a flute playing here, or an orchestra here, or choir here. Yeah. Where do you think those influences came from? Well, I think they
0: came from what we were talking about earlier, the sunny kind of pop music that I gravitated to as a kid. Baroque pop, I think yeah. it's called. And just kind of the Walt Disney storybook records. I had all those. I've never those. heard those. There's, there's like of the movies of like Robin oh, Hood see. or the Aristocats yeah. or Song of the South. Whenever I'd get sick, and I figured that, this out, like if I got sick, I'd get a record. But they would give you these, in the pharmacy, they'd sell these records that had um, storybooks in them with records. So you would listen to the record and then follow the pages of the animated drawings or whatever they've got going on. And it's, those songs are always had instrumentation like symphonic mixed with a little bit of... You know, guitar, bass, and drums, but really low, mainly symphonic. And so they would, you know, a rabbit, brer rabbit hopping down the trail. You'd hear the flute. You could visualize this stuff. And as a kid, hearing that, it gravitated and made a lot of sense to me. So I think it's the spree was totally pulled from that world mixed with that 70s FM pop that was happening at the time. What type of music do you listen to in general? Um, I'm really weird list uh, listener. <laughs> like I've got this one song that I I repeat constantly that I'll just drive around for hours and it's just on repeat and I stumbled on it. Um, it's called a gape and it's from the Beale Street. I don't even know the artist, I can't even tell you, but I just stumbled on this song and I listened to it over and over. Um, I listened to uh Instrumental music, Percy Faith, Montavani. I listen to elevator music. really like that stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, I there's one song in particular that I, you know, some people are going to hear this are going to laugh because they know that this song means a lot to me. But it's Ennio Marticoni. It's called "The Strong," and it's from "The Good and the Bad and the Ugly." It's a very short piece of music, but I've probably listened to that music, that song, and, and I'm being. You know, maybe a a few thousand times I've heard this song. I just, I play it over and over. I'll listen to it for days. Can you play me
1: the first song you mentioned? Yeah.
0: um, Okay, it's from a movie called If Beale Street Could Talk. And it's by this guy, Nicholas Bertel. I just stumbled on it and I freaking love it. Beautiful. yeah and the reason why I like it so much I mean because it's it sounds a lot like the Eno Marconi track that I've just this that song I gotta can I play it for you please it's real short small piece of music but it's the same thing it this track resonates with me big time and this agape song when I play this you know you're gonna go It makes sense why he likes that. man that song just kills me i love it love it it's a scene where um clint eastwood had had the the civil war is going on and all this carnage and stuff and he's balled up and hid behind a rock or whatever while this is going hoping to get through this war he realizes he wakes up and it's all done there's no one around just destruction and Everyone, all the soldiers laying on the field. It's so, he's by himself. There's no one around. He's just looking at all this that's going on. That's why you hear the, the little kind of taps, trumpet kind of thing going on in the background. It's representing what soldiers saw, army and all that. And the war and all that, and it, he's like, just, it's looking at it and it's so quiet. And so it's, he's taking it in like, what a waste. And then he finds this lone soldier it's hiding out in this bunker leaned up against the wall and he's on his he's dying and Clint leans down and gives him a drag off his his uh, cigar and the guy takes the hit <laughs> drag off of it and smoke leaves and the guy dies right there and you're looking and it's like so beautiful I just love that one scene but Um, that song, for whatever reason, it just puts me there. So I would listen to this song just all day. I would leave here today, put it in, and it would be... On repeat. And that's
1: kind of how I do music sometimes. Do you think if you hadn't seen that scene, the music would still have the impact on you? That's a good question. I don't know if it was... Does it bring you back to the movie or is it something else? No,
0: it's something else. I've made it my own. It's a place for me. There's a lot, it's a lot of sadness in that track, but at the same time there's like this kind of lifted up part in it too. It's, I, I,
1: I get that in your music too. You know, it's, it's like it's, that combination of like, uh, there's an ecstatic energy and there's a real uh, heaviness.
0: Yeah. And that was, what's kind of weird at the beginning of the spree was that um people were getting this you know happy clappy surmising the band is that but those songs and the lyrics were coming from a very different space it's very melancholy record (laughs) but what i was telling you like what we discovered as a group in the live setting in the community of playing the songs there was this certain amount of zeal that came with it you know and then it started to (laughs) <laughs> exude itself you know yeah. and then it would have you could take something that was so sad and it would it would kind of almost be uplifting in a weird way Yeah, and um you know all those songs kind of have that vibe to them this is you can kind of be there but there's also a transition of like you know morphing into what's coming and trying to get there you know and and then once you get there like what that feeling's like um It's more of a treasure map, if you will, this whole record of like being specific
1: about how to get to this point. You have to be very specific. I think that might be a key to what, what your music does for me is that it comes from a place of heaviness, but breaks through to this other level. And it's that uh yearning yeah yeah man i think that's it because thinking about it makes me (laughs) cry so it's probably true
0: no man it is it's it's that it's that what you gotta have what i've gotta have you know that yeah for me personally yeah i never even thought about it you know it's like when you when you're a band and you're doing your songs and you're unfolding these stuff out there and you don't realize what it you don't really think about what it's gonna do. You're thinking, are they gonna like this, you know? And, and then you, you reach a point where you don't even care about that anymore. And it's just kind of like, yeah, you want them to like it, but you don't really know what, what their experience of the record was gonna be for them, of the music. <laughs> and then you find out through the process of playing live and speaking to people what it means to them. And then you're doing interviews and you're talking about it. And it's like, wait a minute, this, this stuff that I'm singing about for myself, and what I need to have happen for me, um, some other people are feeling the same way too and they're getting that. I never even thought about it. that. seems so naive to not think about that. I never but, thought
1: about it either and I've been listening to you for 20 years. Yeah,
0: you just <laughs> no, don't, I, you just, I never
1: thought about it. Before. Yeah, you just kind of. I just know that the way it makes me feel yeah. is very powerful and I can't think of anything else that hits me in that particular way
0: that's great man and that's something that's discovered you know it's certainly wasn't the agenda you know it's just kind of like like i said the toe goes in it's like he's either there it's not there and i'm able to i'm tim i'm much more it seems like more interesting on my music um my output of that um than i am in real life you know (laughs) I mean, I'll, I'll listen to that. Golly, you said that? Where did that come from? It's yeah. like you're kind of like, wow. I mean, even on my my best day, I'm not able to articulate something like that. That's when you know it's coming from something, let's say mystical, but it, there is an, yeah. an
1: element of that that did is you, so beautiful. Did you grow up with any kind of a spiritual background, going to church or anything like that?
0: Well, my grandfather was a preacher. It was Church of Christ, very staunch kind of serious religion and um my mom was always searching for some sort of spirituality and she still does i had a also weird experience as a kid you know when uh one point my mom is into this baptist church in in dallas and she took me and um it was like you want to get saved or whatever you kind of buy into it because they would bring you in with this music and this music was like it was a big part of the church great band with a choir it sounds like the spree in a sense (laughs) but they would like summon you to get you into the spirit and then um, they would kind of bring you down and you know if you want to get saved or whatever and it's like yeah let's do this and i'm a kid and i remember going backstage and it was a room full of people like myself just sitting at these tables within you know these other these kind of guiding preachers or that are in there and you know trying to get the Lord to speak through you. And, you know, I had his hand on my head and, you know, real close to me. And it's like, you know, let the Lord speak through you. And I'm kind of just listening. I'm kind of weirded out by this. The whole thing, I was intimidated and weird. But I am um, listening to some people like mumbling, like tongues kind of stuff. So in order just to kind of get out of this situation, I started to kind of mimic that and then he started to translate what i was saying and it just crushed me i mean that was like crushed me i just looked at it as this is a total scam sham and i was so i was so young but i saw through it Uh and it was crushing and i looked at my mom differently and how she saw religion it was it was devastating. I remember walking out of there thinking I saw something, experienced something I wasn't supposed to see. I felt bad that I knew this. I'm looking at this congregation filled with all these people and what they're doing and it, it was rough. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been, spirituality has always been a kind of a question for me. And so I've, I've found it in my own life and in, through my experiences of making music and through my experiences observing mother nature do its thing. and. I find it in that I you know I've talked about this about you know the grass that grows up in concrete on the streets it's like it's the worst possible environment but yet there's grass Life. growing there and yeah. breathing and living and and not even thinking about that shit that's around it I draw that or the tree that grows and absorbs the chain link fence that it happened to be buried by and just absorbs it and owns it and but it still continues that's where I started to get it from. And then I found it in my, in my process of creating music and all that. So I'm finding my way, you know, and I found it like that, but organized religion was, and I think maybe it's fortunate that I found it so early age, you know, for me, mm-hmm. that
1: what works for me, you know? There was another song you're gonna play for me. Sure. This is the closing song on the album.
0: Yeah, it's actually three parts that were written that I had to break them up into three different songs, but they're really kind of one piece Mm -hmm. if you wanna do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. This is the morning sun. I built the stairs. This the morning sun coming up.
2: In the morning sun, I am dreams are saving the moments that found a part of my life so alive so am I yeah, yeah in the morning sun the trees are singing Tomorrow makes a thousand new reasons I want to share The up and down, the back and forth feelings Gives me a ride Smiling at the goddess of evil I learned to fly
1: This is the soundtrack for the wonder of the natural world.
0: Morning Sun, I built the stairs. And that's a little nod to Eno Marconi with the opera voice at <laughs> the that's Jennifer Job, which is one of my favorite parts of the whole record. When she comes in, it's just like, yes. So good. I love
1: it. It's just like, mmm. <clears throat> Morning Sun, I built the stairs, such a beautiful Two beautiful phrases put together, so beautiful,
0: well as one song we had to, you know, and I don't know why, but it plays through, obviously on the record. Another reason why I want people to hear this as a whole. Mm-hmm. it's an experience. It's totally meant to be heard as a whole. And um
1: so when you play it live, you'll play the whole,
0: yeah, like we're playing whole album in order, yeah, yeah. um. Like recently, we've been playing like seven songs, just to but we play them from from the top down, mm-hmm. um, the best we can, and then the idea is to play the whole record. It's forty three minutes, mm-hmm. and you know, move to the the next. It's so tough when you've got twenty years of music prior and you're coming out with a new record, and you know, how do they balance? I watch the Stones do what they do, and they're just like,
1: there's how do you, no right way. You know, there really isn't any right way. Yeah. do what feels right. Don't, uh, if you do the show that you want to listen to and that you want to see, it'll there's be nothing better that you can do. Right.
0: Yeah. No, I know. You're right. It'll it'll play out how it plays, you know. But there's something about this record that's just so special, you know, I for feel me. It. Um, I feel it. For all of us, it's... For me personally, it's it's one of those things where I go, oh, man, yeah, you know? My whole life I've kind of feel like I've been waiting for this one to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. We need this. Yeah.
1: We need this.